Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here for our monthly check-in on death metal, and so we are going to begin with a discussion of uh, Justice League number fifty-six and fifty-seven, which are the final two um, tie-ins in from the Justice League title to death metal. Uh, before we get into that, quickly though, we are we are quickly approaching the end of death metal here. And we are going to be getting a whole slew of tie-ins and anthologies coming up soon. But at this point in the event, where is this stacking up for you guys? Are you guys enjoying Death Metal still? Is it starting to feel bloated? How do you feel about everything? Zach, take it away. I still I like it better than Metal. It... It's had its highs. I feel like it's been really interesting covering it month to month like this, where we just kind of each month is just the issue and then the hodgepodge of tie-ins that it has. And and this is definitely a down month compared to last month, I think. Last month had the multiverses end in it, right? Um, yes. Yeah, that, that was a high point for me. Actually, that would have I... been two months ago. Yeah, it feels like two months ago. I I don't. Then what was well, last it, month? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it only kind right. of matters, I guess. So last I, month like was month. last month was um, Rise of the New God and you're Robin right, King. Right. Okay, that was a down Death month too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was a down month too. Uh, but like the month before that, and then the month with um, the the three issues. Um, those were good. I, I, I think it is getting a little long in the tooth. Um, but I'm still enjoying it. Like I said, I think it's better than metal. I think it's pretty easily the best event that we've had. Gosh, I don't know. In a long time. <laughs> Vincey? Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, it's not without its downs. Um, and I think, here's what I think. I think the main event is not as all time great as something like DC 1 million or final crisis or 52. If you, and I'm, na- I'm all, I'm naming all Grant Morrison stuff, but that's by accident. I mean, there's other great events too. I don't think it's going to be a lasting all time event great event like that in that way. But I think, I think where the event is really succeeding for me is in its willingness to embrace the goofiness. Um, and I think that's where, you know, metal metal had some of that. It had a dash of that, but I think there were times that it kind of ran away from that too. And I feel like in death metal, it's embracing that big, bold dumb superhero goofiness that i that i like and even when it even when it looks like it's steering wrong like towards the robin king stuff which which can tend to be grim dark it's actually also kind of making fun of that and that that doesn't make it good but it it at least makes it self-aware and i feel like that really acts in the event's favor and it makes me think of it more favorably than the original metal or than, or than a lot of events that we've had, you know, even the parts that I don't like about this, 
they're not too self-serious, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm really liking it. And there are some, like some of these tie-ins, there are a couple stinkers here and there. Um, but for the most part, those have been, those have been good. And a couple of them have been some of the best stuff in the event. And I think that that's worth something too. So on the whole, I've really liked it. Yeah, I've been trying to find a way to properly place this among DC events. And what I find is hard is that I don't think it is as good as something like Infinite Crisis or Final Crisis or something like that, right? So it's not in the upper echelon of DC events, but it's better than Zero Hour. It's better than um, a lot of the sort of... Uh, well, see, here, here's where it's difficult for me. Like, I, I, I tend to compare this stuff to this to things like The Final Night or um, Underworld Unleashed. But for those those books seem so much smaller in scale than this, even mm-hmm. though they're all about like universe ending events, right? It just it just doesn't feel like this is so bombastic. So in that way, I feel like I'm comparing it to the bigger events. But I think quality wise, it's maybe not quite up with those. Um, listening to you guys talk, I do think, um, where this event like really succeeds for me is as a capstone to all of Snyder's like Snyder and Tynion's big meta story that they've been doing. You know, I've talked about how this has kind of made me look back on their justice league a lot more favorably. Um, and this really does kind of feel like even though i think in some ways like final crisis could have fit could have fit this mold too i think this is like this is like dc secret wars you know this is the thing that i think they could end the universe on really Mm -hmm. um and it would be fine like we don't need another we don't need another comic after this it's fine um because this is kind of the comic about the comic yeah Uh, you know so um yeah i actually do think i think that this might be better than infinite crisis wow like if we're just comparing like the core of it like i would i would like taking like infinite crisis and it's like four tie-in minis and then like this and it's kind of like core like important one shots I, I might like this better, maybe. Maybe. It's too it's too early to say. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard because there's parts of Infinite Crisis that I don't like as much as even the worst parts of this. Mm-hmm. But then there's parts of Infinite Crisis that I like better than even the best parts of this, I think, if that makes any sense. And yeah. So... I also think that it's hard because we know what Infinite Crisis meant in terms of because in Infinite Crisis we got 52, we got one year later, we got all this stuff we really enjoy. I feel like it's hard to it's hard to, to silo the event without thinking about those things as well. And because this is still happening, we don't know what will come from this. So it's a little bit hard to to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, are we ready to get into the the nitty gritty here? 
Absolutely. All right, so Justice League 56 is written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Robson Roca. We get... Uh, I'm just going to do some real small bullet, bullet points for this because there's not a ton here. Um, we see Comet, the uh, Wonder Woman's horse she gives uh, Bobo, turns out to be an invisible horse, which is pretty fun. Um, I like the moment where uh, Hawk Girl used the like heated up nth metal. That was kind of fun. Um, it looks like Detective Chimp sacrifices himself. Turns out to be not a thing. <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, because there are. Th- this is this. This is the event that has both total consequences and no consequences. I feel yes. like some characters are just melted down for for parts, and nobody seems to blink an eye. But then other times, everyone is saved from miraculous things. Um, I felt like this issue, and uh, so at the end of this issue, they free the Legion of Doom from the um, the tower they're strapped to. They're fighting the Omega Lantern, not Lantern, my goodness, the Omega Titan, and um, like this. Here's here's my problem with these Justice League issues. They're absolutely fine. There there is nothing bad in them. They are perfectly crumpulent tie-ins to a major event. Except that I feel like there is this undercurrent that Williamson is putting in there of like heart that I understand why he wants to connect Dick Grayson and the Justice League and all of that stuff. I, I get why all that's there. I just feel like it's very clunky in these issues. And I feel like... I would. I'm not opposed to there being a lot of heart in these issues. I'm opposed to it being inserted the way it's been inserted here. I feel like they didn't need to go back to that Justice League idea. I mean, they show you that flashback again, right? Yeah. And I think we pretty much got it the first time, <laughs> right? We we got it. It's good. Yeah. I think the Dick Grayson stuff and the like Titans connection is definitely the clunkiest part of this. I think the stuff with Lex and Hot Girl and Martian Manhunter is really good. And again, it's like, I think like actually pretty important because that's one of the biggest threads from justice league that was kind of left dangling and it doesn't really look like death metal proper is going to address that. And this kind of gives the payoff to that. I don't, I think it's in 56, although it could be 57. I don't have them open right in front of me. Um, Let me just say this. 57 is written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Zermanico. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, again, I don't remember which one it's in, but there's like a callback to a conversation that, john and lex have at the end of no justice which was years ago now um and it just feels really satisfying i think like it's a it's a really good callback it it wraps up those themes in a pretty satisfying way um and if this miniseries had been like or this you know arc had been like one or two issues shorter and had cut out some of the titan stuff i think it might have been like a little bit tighter um a little bit more meaningful. Not that I don't not I don't dislike the Titan stuff. I think, in fact, I actually kind of like it a lot. And it it's kind of funny that Williamson is tying this stuff up, especially with um, 
Corey and uh, and and Cyborg coming from um, Odyssey. Odyssey, yeah, which he you know she did the launched, first five issues yeah. of and bounced <laughs> um, for whatever reason. Um, and, and you wonder if maybe he has just like a few things that he's wanting to like get out that he didn't get to do in that series. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I actually I think it's maybe like one issue too long. Um, but I actually quite liked this arc, I think. Vince? I'm, I'm going to be real boring and say I, I liked it um, and it was decompressed, which I feel is like my complaint for every uh, tie-in arc that operates like this. Hey, this arc has to be like mostly the length of the event. You know, it's got to be like just short of the full length of the event because then the heroes are going to meet up with the event at the end or something, you know, or wherever the status quo is. And I just think those stories always feel so decompressed, whether it's going back to the, going back to the flashback to, to, to Dick seeing the justice league for the first time again. Um, just, you know, not a heck of a lot happens. Um, that said, I think it's mostly pretty well done. I think I agree with Zach about the, the hot girl stuff. Uh, hot girl is my favorite character in this. I think just the way that just the uh, kind of the art, the narrative arc that she goes through, and 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 Martian Manhunter and uh, and Lex too. Um, that that part is really good. Yeah, I feel like that stuff feels like it happened a million years ago. <laughs> like the stuff, the the Lex and Martian Manhunter stuff, just feels like it happened so long ago that I feel like this issue, or these issues, rather, could have benefited from giving the readers a slight, slightly more of a recap of that stuff instead of the second flashback of Dixie and the Justice League for the first time. I feel like that would have been recap time better spent. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, overall, overall, this is good. Um, I just... I, I, I guess one of one of the problems with this... And it's not it's not the fault of of the book at all. It's it's the fault of me, I suppose, is um, this idea of do we really like what's been fun about a lot of these tie ins has just been how ridiculous they've been and how over the top they've been. And this feels like the most grounded bit of death metal. And for that reason, it's also maybe the least fun bit of death metal. Yeah. I can see that. Anything else to say about these two issues of Justice League? This is the end. This is the end of Justice League, right? Of this volume of Justice League. Well, forever. We don't know because assuming it doesn't pick up after Future's End. Yes, not Future's End. <laughs> future you know state. what I mean? Future State. Future State. Because uh, next w- next week. Uh, starts uh, Endless Winter. And so oh, baby. that will be the interim until Future State, and then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready what for I, Endless Winter. What, what are the odds you think we pick up with Justice League 58 in March? I actually think the didn't odds... I, what, didn't sorry, I didn't... ask you guys... Didn't I ask you guys this, like, two weeks ago? 
about all I mean, these books? You did about all these books. I'm asking specifically about Justice League. Yeah, uh, my answer. Is, <laughs> my offer stays. My off, offer. My answer is the same. Make, make me an offer. I cannot refuse. <laughs> uh, Show us the face of a radical dream, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer is the same, which is that I think, I think we're gonna see all these issues pick up here until they're ready to launch number ones. Which I, the the impression that I get, hashtag many many Boston's, is that they are not. I was about not, to like do some yeah. do some ska horns, but I won't. Uh, we have to say by law that was on the Digimon soundtrack. Uh, that is part of our <laughs> drinking game. <laughs> Again, never seen Digimon. Don't really know what it is. Just know it's on the soundtrack. We're, we're gonna a... do a Patre- We're gonna do a Patreon episode where we all where we, we watch it together the same way we did with Watchmen. Okay. Yes! I'm in. Yes. I'm in. Um, we'll, we'll figure out a tenuous thread to DC Comics. <laughs> um, one of our first stingers is actually Vince singing the Digimon theme song. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, but so, like I said, I don't think that they're necessarily ready to relaunch all this stuff yet. So I think we're going to see like another few months of of these issues. Although it would make total sense to relaunch to to do all new number ones now, I just feel like with everything so chaotic, both because of the shakeups at DC and also the global pandemic we're living through, that I feel like you know perhaps that's why. Perhaps you know perhaps they need another few months to figure everything out. Perhaps um, one quick thing, and this is this is not related to any of this, but did you guys see in the solicits that came out last week that? In Batman Black and White number three, John Ridley is telling another next Batman story. Yes. I don't know if I saw that. To me, that's a real big indicator that we're going to see some of this future state stuff stick around, probably in this omniverse concept. But I, I feel like even it's it seems not like a big deal because it's coming out the same month that we're seeing future state stuff. But to me... Batman Black and White is like the total opposite of a future state thing. Like that's yeah, that that's a prestige thing. That's that's a that's Out a con- continuity thing. It's, yeah, exactly. So I feel like just them them allowing Ridley to continue telling the story and specifically in that in that book means to me we're going to be seeing more of that stuff, which is good, which is fine by me. I'm not upset about that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivier Coipel, by the way, on that. Uh, on that Ridley story in black and white. Nice. I think wasn't Coipel on the um the yep. one that was in that whatever that one shot. That tech well, one shot. Was te- hmm? Wasn't the- it wasn't it tech uh, ten twenty seven or no? I think, yes, I think yes. it was the tech one. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Let's uh let's go forward here with um the clunkiest named of any of these books, which is uh Dark Knight's Death Metal, Infinite Hour Extreme, and of course there are three X's in that extreme. Um I did not realize before reading this book that this was uh a it's ostensibly one story, but it's told by three different creative teams. 
The first being uh, Frank Thierry and uh, Tyler Kirkham, who I believe we just talked about like two weeks ago. Didn't we say we haven't seen Kirkham do anything in a while? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then here he is. So uh, you're welcome, DC he, readers. We he was working on this for years. Yep. Uh, the second part by Becky Cloonan and Rags Morales. And the third part by Sam Humphreys and Dennis Cowan and Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, So I, I, again, this is a Lobo-centric issue. This is to basically have him fetch something that we will then see in the next issue of Death Metal, number five. Um, There's a couple of parts in this that are really groan-inducing, like the fact that the Batman, uh, the Batman Lobo is the Batman who frags. No, that's good, actually. I don't know what you're talking about. What makes me mad is that later on he calls himself the Batman Man, which is way better. That's, should, that's both. Both are good. He should have always been the Batman Man. Uh, Batman who frags is good. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't like that Lobo is anti Guy Fieri. Yeah, that's yeah, that's bad. That's don't in my like notes. Um, and I thought that. Well, first of all, you know. The Becky Clune and Rags Morales part looked incredible. That was there was really good art in that part. I liked that part far better than the Frank Thierry, Tyler Kirkham stuff. But I really enjoyed the Sam Humphreys, Dennis Cowan part where he was like making the little universe and retelling all those stories, like Superman by Lobo, Batman by Lobo. Those stories. I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. In part because I'm just such a huge fan of Dennis Cowan's art and Bill Sienkiewicz. Those two together are just the best. Yes. Yeah, that part looked incredibly good. Um, and um, this, um, I'm like really mixed on this one shot because on one hand, I kind of like from a completist standpoint, feel like it needs to exist because we're not getting a whole lot of the Lobo stuff in death metal proper. But I also don't think we needed 40 pages of it either. But the Dennis Cowan Sienkiewicz art was really good. I think this is easily the better of the two one shots this week. So, Oh, by far. <laughs> um, I guess like, on the scale of all the one shots, this is like somewhere in the middle for me. Yeah, yeah I think. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. No, no, you first, Mincy. I was just gonna say, I think I I'm echoing the same thing we said about the punchline book. Uh, I think last week, which was, um. I think I like this. I don't know that I needed 40 pages of it. I think 20 would have been great. Um, I was a little disappointed. I I guess I didn't realize that this whole thing was going to be just the Lobo stuff. Um, I thought it was going to be more anthology style the way that it was pitched with multiple creators and some of the other tie-ins have been, you know? Um, And I think even though it had stories from, you know, multiple different creative teams, it felt too homogenous to, to give me the same feeling that those other tie-ins gave me. And, uh, yeah, so this just felt like one overly long one shot that was 
good for what it was. I, I think this is squarely in, in the middle of the tie-in as far as like uh, quality level is concerned. Certainly not bad. Yeah. The Frazetta Batman joke is great. Yes. Um, I, I think that overall this, like like you both have said, it's probably too long. You probably could have cut out either the first bit or the second bit in it, and it would still have done the exact same thing. Um, but that's okay. To me, this is... This is acceptable because we don't get Lobo elsewhere. If if you're a Lobo super fan, first of all, God bless you. Second of all, I I just feel like there's there's not a lot of opportunities to get this story. So even though it might be longer than it needs to be, it's not like we're getting yet another Batman story in this event. Mm-hmm. It's at least a character we're not spending a lot of time with. So yeah. Yeah, I think it is nice. It's fine to like silo all the Lobo content into the single product of Lobo. Yeah. Uh, may I call an audible here, boys? Uh, sure. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, go for it. Because we're going to be spending so much time on Death Metal 8, and because the multiverse... Five. five. I mean, sorry. And because the multiverse who laughs does not is not predicated on that... Do you want to just bang that out now and then do this, the second half of the show, just the full deep dive into death metal? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Just don't ever ask us before the show what order you want to do things. I, I'm realizing because, it uh... now. I'm I just <laughs> realizing it now. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, funny yeah. though because it's it does seem like this issue should at least be like somewhat predicated on the ending of five. But it really is. Somehow it's not. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Um, well, I, I I think it's kind of I think these are supposed to be the earths that are thrown at the heroes but actually they're just stories that have maybe been sitting in a drawer somewhere for a while that have been (laughs) touched up a bit yes so uh this is uh vince how did you describe this in lad's chat was it like the weirdest one shot you said the 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 weirdest uh one shot tie-in into an event i've ever read not the worst the weirdest it could be the worst. Uh, I was gonna say it might be. No, the worst it's also. not. It's not no. as bad as Robin King. No, it's not. I'm not. I'm not talking about this event. I'm talking about every event I've ever read. Oh wow. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Sure. I yes. was very uh, clear about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, it's it's hard to think of every tie-in event. So you're saying that this is weirder than any issue of Villains Month, but maybe not as bad. As as far as like how it relates to the event and how it's presented. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, it's quite weird. Zach cut it out. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to click uh, the link Zach just sent me until after we're uh, recording. Yeah. It's, it's, it's specifically for you. Oh, is it? Okay. Well. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's the weirdest tie-in to an event I've ever read because it. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure any of this was meant for death metal. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like it is. Um, although I, I'll, although in, I don't know what else some of it would have been for. Um, like the the Green Arrows, uh, Green Lantern story. That thing is like three or four pages long. Yeah, um, it's not. I don't know. I don't know what it would have been for. But I'll, at the same time, I think like any of these could probably fit into 
some DC anthology somewhere, you know? Yeah. Because they, they make those anthologies work on like very tenuous um, <laughs> connections to whatever they're tying into. So yeah. um, I, I actually thought about this a little bit as I was reading this today. I feel like, and we'll get into the stories proper in a second. That Super Pet story is totally a Halloween leftover. Yeah. Like, that is definitely, they were supposed, uh, they would have been more explicitly zombies um, in in the scripting if it was in a Halloween book, but it's essentially from that. And um, I think that there was one other one that I felt was so, like, definitely. What all, what all... There was the there was the intro story. So let's go through this. Yeah. So there's there's yeah. the Robin King story that's the sort of the framing device for the issue, and that is written by Scott Snyder, James Town the Fourth, and Josh Williamson, illustrated by Juan Gedeon, who did mm. the um, multi the uh, what's that called Multiverse's End one shot that we all loved his art for, and his art continues to be really good in this little mm-hmm. introductory piece, but this is nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think it's hilarious, and I know why they credit it to the four writers, to the the three writers rather. But there is no way that three human beings touch the script. (laughs) (laughs) No no conceivable way. It is nothing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, So then, who wants to talk about the next story? With the bonkers creative team of Patton Oswald and Sanford Green, two people I very much respect. Yes. I actually really liked this for what it was. What I was it? I, I, my only note is, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Well, well, that's why I say the, the, this story was supposed to go in like a villain-centric anthology. Yes. You're using you story know. very loosely there, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're. Yeah, I don't think you're being very fair to this. I, I think I, I cannot tell you what happened in this. Neither can I. I have no clue. I almost <laughs> read it a second time, but I thought, no, it's not worth it. Don't do that to yourself. Well, it's. I I think. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna detail the plot uh, point by point because I don't have. I don't <laughs> have notes can't. for the. No, <laughs> shut up. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> No, what I will what I will say is, in broad strokes, it's about Zaz coming to Arkham. Why is this fucking funny? Okay, it's about Zaz coming to Arkham and seeing himself as a greater villain than he's being treated as by the Arkham staff. Sure. Right. He thinks he's up there with the Joker and Two-Face or whatever because of the number of murders that he's committed. He's told, no, the number of murders you've committed just makes you a murderer, you know? It doesn't make you a a unique or interesting villain the way that these other characters are. And, And his goal is to... He's psychotically obsessed with this procedure that will transform him. And he thinks he thinks that by presenting himself as a villain willing uh, 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 a villain deserving of more attention from the staff there that he will get this procedure. I mean, he's psychotic, you know, he thinks that he will get this procedure because of it. Then he feels slighted when the procedure is given to somebody else. I believe it was Kite Man, right? It was Kite Man. 
Yeah. And it all ends on an Amadeus joke from Patton Oswalt, which I think is it was kind of clever, but it's very a very comedian thing to do. It's a very Patton Oswalt thing to do. It's also your favorite movie, so you're it's, probably yes. you're probably more attuned to the uh, killer Amadeus goofs than uh, than I am. Well, I mean, I think it's fun. Yeah, because Zaz in this case is uh, Salieri, uh, seeing himself as right. uh, a failure in the end, in the face of somebody who he thinks is an imbecile. So, um. I, I I really liked it. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's 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 it doesn't really tell a coherent story that matches up to anything that has anything to do with death metal. But like as a standalone um, Zaz story that doesn't take place in any world that we recognize, I appreciated it for the gag that it was. You know. Um, for for it to for it to be one big Amadeus gag, I think was was kind of neat, <laughs> uh, and the art was great. The Sanford art, Sanford Green uh, art, looked really good. Very um. Very creepy in in places. Some good body horror in this one. Exactly. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I got nothing for that. Um, next up is that aforementioned uh, Super Pet Story by Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and art by Chad Harden. Um, this was fine. Again, this is clearly out of a Halloween one-shot. Uh, there's no real connection to anything uh, death metal here, although we do see Comet, the horse, again, um, which we had just met you know, in... Uh, just seen for the first time in a long time in uh justice league i don't know i i I have nothing really positive or negative to say about this this particular story it's there it's fine i can i make a confession sure i'm not a big super pets fan in general i think anytime dc does a story with them it's just it's the same gag every time yeah i didn't think this was good it, it didn't make it it didn't i don't get what the point was um like like crypto is gone in space he comes home finds all the humans are like in orbit around the earth like there's a ring of humans around the earth the the super pets there was a virus um whatever the the chimp superman's name is he he made a cure for the virus but it actually didn't work and so everybody died you nailed it mhm i don't know yeah it's nothing uh speaking of nothing we have the green lantern green arrow story i was super excited about this written by saladin ahmed illustrated by Scott Eaton. I was super excited about this story and nothing happens in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that this might be something for future state that is not going to be part of future state. No, <laughs> I could see that. I could see that too. Yeah. Um, 
Honestly, yeah, it, like, because it's because it's not even a real story. It's what three pages long. It's nothing. Yeah. You, it it is to to me. I'm making this up now, but it makes sense. There's a twenty page comic somewhere here, and they just pulled three pages out of it. Like to me, that's what happened. Or this was like, hey, we're doing this future state thing. Here's here's some creative teams create for us the start of a future state story. Yeah, do yeah yeah do a pitch. Because it's not even the length. Like what what other anthology has DC put out in the last five years that's had a three page story in it? <laughs> that's clearly an unfinished story, you know. I thought there was something wrong with the, with the PDF at first. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Maybe there is. Maybe tomorrow we'll log in and find out that there was more to this. <laughs> no, I think I think that was it. I think that was it. I know, um, I'm kidding, but yeah, yeah. And then, last but not least, we have a steel story by Brandon Thomas and Tom Mandrake. I'm, I'm a noted fan of Tom Mandrake's art here. It did give me some old school Superman vibes. But again, this is a nothing story. But I think maybe my favorite out of the bunch, because it is actually a story. Sure. Sort yeah. of. Yeah, it actually like does something and makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we also think that this could be a future state thing I repurposed? I don't think so. No, to me, this is another like villains thing. Okay, but but... Natasha Irons is dead. This is clearly like some sort of future. That's true. You you make a good mm, you make a point. You do, yes. I, I'm not I'm not saying it is that. I'm just saying like it's given off vibes that like and again, an unused concept or pitch. And so like the earth is not going to be covered in fear toxin in future state, but maybe in some pitch or some prior story it was um yeah i don't know and plus isn't brandon thomas i could be wrong but isn't brandon thomas involved in one or two future state books i believe so yes so i yeah i mean these anyway they're good they're gonna be better than this that's yes these could all also be like new talent showcase stories sure that's that's something else too yeah um, yeah, they're just um, and I think Brandon Brandon Thomas is a good writer, and I, I don't think the writing in this is necessarily bad. It's just so because of the nature of the anthology and the way that this thing just feels so chopped up and random. There was no chance for it to be a good story, you know. <laughs> yes, I don't think there's anything wrong with it in a vacuum, but yeah, no. Like you said at the top, Vince, this is just an incredibly strange book. Yeah. What bothers Smell, me smells of cash grab. Yes, but what bothers me is that there have been all these other one uh, one shots or anthologies that have been more or less worthwhile, and I I just feel like I was already worried about us getting burnt out on these, even in a sea of pretty good one shots. But now that we have this trash, I'm worried about all the other one shots we're getting. Mm-hmm. The the good news I think is the remaining ones have really solid creative teams and are also like more 
um, in line with like the anthology length. I think they're all like, I think the Secret Origins one is a little shorter, but the other two are um, both like 80 page. So the stories will have a little bit more room to breathe, I think. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to feel more like the um, the anthology type stories that we really like. Yeah. Also, the just the premise of those issues makes more sense than the premise of this one. Like, the multiverse well, who laughs, just as a premise alone, is very stupid. If it was going to be... And, yeah, if it was going to be, like, explicitly, like, stories from the 52 Earths um, that we're going to see here in a few minutes, then that would make sense. And I guess, like, conceptually, that's, the last, that's, that's what that's it still is. That's the right? But don't we already have another one-shot that is specifically, saying. yeah. Well, yeah, we do, but I kind of get the impression that that's going to still... Honestly, I can't tell you what the difference is between the last those last two one-shots, because if you read the solicit text, they really sound like they're doing the same thing. It's like stories of the DC heroes at the end of time, basically. Um, mm -hmm. I, I thought that this was going to be like the Dark World's story, and it, it kind of was that, but like not explicitly. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, these don't take place in any alternate Earth that you would recognize. Right. Um. Yeah, I was I was just looking ahead. We do have the we have the last fifty two, and the the last stories of the DC universe. Um. But both of them are kind of about like the heroes in their final moments. It sounds like. No, wait, maybe we do still have the last 52. I think I'm getting mixed up because I was thinking that's next month. No, okay, yeah, that's the last 52 War of the Multiverses. It has two subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss Death Metal number five, page by page. Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right, or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic, like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic, like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga, like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. And we are back, and Vince is going to lead us on a page-by-page read-through of Death Metal number 5. So take us there, Vince. Yes, all right. So page number one, we begin with uh, everybody's favorite, the Robin King, uh, standing above the defeated heroes, mocking them with the kind of a subversion of the typical pep talk that we've been getting from Jonah Hex uh, in the opening pages of every issue. Sergeant um, Rock. Oh, Sergeant Rock. Thank you, yes. Uh, my bad. Yes, Sergeant Rock. Um, 
he's talking uh, he's talking about the Wonder Woman on his world, and he gives this like he does the typical Robin King uh, bullshit where he talks about how he invented some kind of booby trap with a god killer sword that ended up killing her. You know, he always has some story about the way that he uh, killed the heroes on his world. Um, but he's talking about a magnificent speech that she once gave. And that's something that we'll come back to um, by the end of this issue. Uh, at this point, I'm assuming that this Robin King stuff is purposeful cringe. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but <laughs> I feel I mean, like they sucks. know. That it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, page two. Uh, we have the darkest night looming over the heroes and, and beckoning for the Robin King to hold off on killing them as they have work to do. Because, you know, why wouldn't you let the heroes recover and <laughs> eventually beat you? Um, they have to go off and kill Perpetua, uh, but not before ordering Castle Bat to reconfigure itself into a giant Gundam to keep the heroes busy while they get away. And I love that concept. I think that's great. What do you guys think about the What do you guys think about the big Gotham Evangelion? It perfectly fits for this book. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's good. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I I just like I like that everything in these Snyder stories now, it's just everything becoming a Gundam. You know? We need more we need more Gundams. We do. That's why Marvel's doing that um, that Gundam <sighs> series. That's right. That's right. Is that out of continuity or we don't no, know? No, it, it's in the Omniverse. Okay. <laughs> 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 nice. All right. Uh, page three. So uh, they're fighting the the um, Castle Bat Gundam and Superman's telling everyone to focus on a different limb, uh, but they're not able to do any damage to it. Um, Bruce starts thinking about how if it's anything like the way his mind works, um, which they are, they're all, they're all versions of Bruce Wayne, right? Um, Castle Bat would be Is composed... that Rufus Wainwright's brother? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, he, he says that Castle Bat would be composed of every type of material that could be produced in Kane County, where Gotham City resides. Um, a perfectly Bruce Wayne thing to say. Um, Castle Bat start on the next page. Castle Bat starts uh, trapping Superman under a dome using a red sun particles, uh, <laughs> which I guess are produced in Kane County. Yeah, I was wondering uh, about that myself. My two questions with this were: uh, How do they produce that there? And also, is this the DC fandom? Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. You, you go in there and nothing happens. Yeah. Um, Speak for yourself. Sure I got you... dome with that thing. <laughs> uh, that sh that we that would be the stinger if that weren't in the actual. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, for Bruce, he has inertron from the Bat Cave of that world. Um. And so yeah, they're they're trapping the heroes under these DC fandoms, and uh, on page five, Castle Bat is pondering what artifact they're going to be able to use against 
uh, Diana. Uh, and meanwhile, they are zapped by a giant green laser, which um, sets Castle Bat to crumbling and f- ultimately freeing Wonder Woman from uh, his grasp. It's Lex piloting the Hall of Doom, as we see on page six. He's back. Um, He's good this- again. He's back. He's good again. Here he is with his wife. Uh, that's combining two, <laughs> two bullshit <laughs> two, two jokes. Two of our bullshit jokes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Lex Lou. No, this is... This... <laughs> this is continuing... It's continuing uh, from the end of Justice League 57, where we saw um, that arc end, which we talked about earlier in the show. Um, Lex uses the Brainiac bottling technology to transfer Castle Bat's consciousness into a snow globe that is in Harley Quinn's possession now. And if you understood any of that, you are a Scott Snyder DC Comics fan, um, because that is that that's that's the most death metal idea I think we've seen yet. Um, uh, the heroes, meanwhile, take refuge in the Hall of Doom. That's the Flying Hall of Doom. Um, despite their hesitations in joining Lex, um, they have no other choice, basically. Okay. Um, page seven. So uh, they're above Earth-49, which is one of the last remaining Earths that, that Perpetua hasn't destroyed yet. And she's giving her whole spiel about... Um, I'm going to destroy this planet. You can choose to willingly join up with me and have a place in the new universe, or you can just let me lay you to waste. Um, But before she can, the Darkest Knight shows up challenging Perpetua, um, saying that he is there to kill her and the entire race, presumably the race of Hands, I believe. We're still calling them Hands, right? They haven't come up with another name for whatever Perpetua is. I don't know. Does that yeah, sound right, sure. Brian? Sure. Yeah, um, sure. Fun, Hands. fun, fun fact, uh, Earth-49 is one of the seven unknown Earths. Oh. Ah. So and those are... Yeah, those are all still undefined, huh? As far as I know, yeah. I think okay. Morrison revealed one of them in the Green Lantern, but I, I don't think it was this one. Okay, okay. Yeah, sounds legit. Um... Okay, so then page eight, the fight between them explodes across the sky, and the remaining heroes in the Hall of Doom are watching it. Uh, Luther talks about what he thinks will happen, suggesting that the Darkest Knight will end up killing Perpetua, using his power to build the new dark multiverse of his own, uh, which I think, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure that's what happens, considering we have that last 52 um, one shot coming up, but you know, could be surprised yet. Um, Luther thinks they can still prevent it if they work together. Superman's apprehensive, of course, but he believes in a very Superman moment, he understands that Luther has suffered just like the rest of them have, and he's lost things like half of his face. And uh, it's also in his interest to save the world. So, um, Luther goes into this monologue about how they should think small for once, um, which I really will talk about it, but I really like this part. I like when, you know, he talks about how, you know, 
they spend all, DC com. It's very meta. DC comics is all about thinking big and, you know, the villains think big and everything just gets bigger and bigger and it's time to maybe think small. And Luther talks about, uh, his time as a lad in Smallville and visiting the planetarium, um, as an escape. And, um, they had a video there where they would show you the big bang happening and they would talk about it scientifically. And he said that it makes him feel like a small part of something much bigger. But one day the projectionist showed the film in reverse with the great beginning of the universe happening at the end. Um, I really love this bit. I don't know about you guys. Did What did you think of this? Zach? Um, it was, it was good. Okay. I, well, I don't have a lot of thoughts. I don't have a lot of thoughts. Okay. I, I like it because, um, I could imagine seeing something like that when I was, when I was a kid, like, uh, being, being shown a, a an already probably creepy, like science VHS, being shown it backwards and like it having an impression on you. Um, that's totally something that I can connect. Like it's a very human moment for Snyder to put in there for, for Lex. And I feel like I could have easily connected in the same way with something like that. Um, so that's, that's what I took from it. I, I, th- I thought it was a nice moment. I, I don't think it was particularly, uh, you know, fantastic but I, th- I thought it was a nice moment i i think one of my favorite things that snyder has done with lex is i feel like sometimes lex is written i guess to a certain extent bruce is written this way too where you're never shown how they think because the writer presumes like it's just above what we can think about and so i like when they i like when there's a focus on what either bruce is doing or what lex is doing where they're kind of walking you through their thought process because I think mm-hmm. it's fun to not to actually see how these genius people supposedly think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think like I, I think that's really well said because this is a way to give you this very simplistic, childish like n- like no doubt Luther was like a genius kid, but he sees something he doesn't in a way that he doesn't totally understand. And he's like frightened by it. And that's a very, I can, I can see, I can feel myself as a kid reacting that way too. And I, th- I just think that's a really nice stroke there by, by Scott Snyder. Um, okay. So then uh, page 10 uh, after Luther's story, Lobo steps in. And of course we saw in the infinite hours, extreme tie in that, uh, Lobo was working for Lex to um, recover this box of death metal. And um, so he steps in. Uh, Lex is telling the heroes that throughout time, inventors have created various machines to investigate the truth of the universe um, and truths that have been around for as long as Perpetua has been meddling with with Earth Prime. Which, and then we see images of you guys might have to help me out here because we see an image of the um, Mobius chair. That one's obvious. Mm-hmm. And then we see uh, 
the 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 skeletons like the person with the two uh skeletons the two like younger skeletons mm-hmm. what is that supposed to represent no idea i almost i thought that was like a flash thing but i was wondering I if it was wally and his kids right i thought that too but then i'm like well what device are they talking about and I, you would be more well-read on Wally West stories, I think, if there was some... I don't know if there's anything in particular there. I mean... It, just the fact that they're, they are who they are. Yeah. Maybe. I said the other thing but we then, see there is we see the Daily Planet building. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a factory of some kind, I think, that that, that is, right? No, or is that... I don't know that's what that like a compu- is. That's like a computer device thing. Mm-hmm. But then cash, you see... Cash register. Yeah. yeah. Old, old-timey <laughs> cash register. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. You see the hand, which could be like a Krona reference. That's what I was going to say. It appears to be the device that Krona would have used in Christ on Infinite Earths to, to look into the... to look into the origin of everything or whatever. Um, and the point of all this is that Lex himself has designed a machine that can be used for the same purpose that can be built using the forge of worlds. So they have to go there. Um, the next page, page 11 is kind of reiterating, reiterating the role of crisis and anti-crisis energy in the DCU now. And I think bleeding cool had a, had a column that talked about how this explains the, the omniverse and I think it does, but not necessarily not it, it doesn't explain how DC Comics is going to work going forward necessarily. But it does explain that uh, the DCU timeline <laughs> is knotted up um, at these crisis points or something. Uh, and that, Whatever this machine is that Lex is building can unknot these knots in the timeline, presumably um, acting as an anti-crisis and connecting all of them to the power of friendship or whatever. Right. <laughs> and, I, and that's I how liked, they went. I liked this analogy. I thought it was good. Yes. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say is that I thought it was interesting that he mentioned that many will die because of this. And so I, I couldn't tell if that was because because of the war that's going on right now or because when you clean up the timeline, there has to be like collateral damage from that. Well, I think it's the latter because yeah. like she, Wonder Woman says something like, uh, she taunted me, told me that if I won using anti-crisis energy, everything would be brought to bear. All history would matter. Time would unknot. Many of us would be dead. I assume just because like they've been around for a long time, like they would yeah. die of old age, which is like the generations thing. Yes. And I think if we read between the lines here a little bit, I think that remember when Scott was giving interviews and he said whatever they had planned wasn't working for our end of death metal, right? Yes. And I I I kind of think that what that means is 
Generations was going to sort this out in a way that would age would age these actual characters up and not have like multiple not have multiple Bruce's and Diana's around. And I think what we're going to get instead is we're going to get the possibility to have any of these around somewhere. And this is all so this is almost like meta text in the text where Wonder Woman is saying like the fear was that many of us would die of old age. And that's why they're hesitant to do this. And Lex is saying we're going to push past that fear and we're going to live with whatever the consequences are. And it, the reality of the DC universe is going to subvert that by giving us an omniverse where these characters can actually coexist. Does that make sense? Do you guys, do you guys think I'm on to anything there? Possibly. I don't know how much of the omniverse is going to be in the text. Well, I think, I think it, I think it, I at, think it'll be some, in the text of this event. It and absolutely it, will be in that last issue because we've already seen the cover with Golden Age Diana. Yeah. Facing the modern Diana. I don't think they'll really talk about it in the books until we get like, until whatever the next event is which I guess might be the Bendis thing. Yeah. That, that I don't think they'll reference it in the books that much. They're No, they're not going to make it... They're not going to make the Omniverse, like, the next meta arc. Yeah. You know? But it is going to... It is going to be an established thing, I believe, in Death Metal 7. Like, they're, they're going to... They're going to say in a metatextual way, like, this is how it works now. So when Snyder was giving those interviews, he said that he saw death metal at the time as the end of something for DC. And that now with, with the, the new, you know, status quo, he sees death metal as the beginning of something for DC. Mm hmm. And so I think that that does fit with your theory there, Vince. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I think what they were pushing for, if again, you have to believe a dirty Uncle Rich on this one. Um, but if you believe what he was saying, the 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 Dan Dio vision of 5G or whatever it was, oh man, this is pure speculation, right? I hope everybody understands that we don't have any like insight here, but the speculation was that these characters were going to be aged up with intent for the foreseeable future. And n now that he's been let go, everything we've seen in a post death metal landscape has very much pointed to the coexistence of any of these timelines. And I, I, I think if you read between the lines, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that that's where all this stems from. That's where Wonder Woman's apprehension stems from. It's, it's almost, it's it, again, just like with the Robin King thing, talking about the old regime, which we didn't, Oh, we didn't actually talk about that. Did we? No, we didn't. No. Uh, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, 
it's another bit of meta text of Snyder saying like this is this was the fear of where of what things could have been, but really it doesn't have to be that way. And I think I think I really like that. Um, she even says here that it can be a great beginning, which that points to exactly what you just said, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So are we ready to move on? Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, page 12, uh, Diana goes to Bruce and Clark. They have kind of a, a Trinity moment of embrace where, Bruce admits that he's been dead this whole time. <laughs> we uh, didn't Bruce know Willis. that, right? We didn't no. know that. But remember, if you'll remember in maybe the first or second issue, um, I forget if it was Swamp Thing or somebody, somebody like whispers to Bruce, when are you, you going to tell her the Oh, it was Superman. It was Superman. Wh- whispers to Bruce, like, when are you going to tell Diana the truth or something? And he's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to tell her or something like that. And we've been waiting for what that was. And the reality is it's that he's been dead this whole time and using, using the black lantern ring to keep him animated, which I must say, Bruce looks way better than black hand ever did when he was using, That's when he was holding himself together, you know? So like, yeah, those, those black lanterns must, the black, Lantern rings must have gotten an upgrade or something. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So anyway, um, Clark says something about, uh, well, I feel like I've been irreparably ch- changed too. And if I were Bruce, I'd be like, yeah, but I died, so yeah. <laughs> like it's worse for me. Um, but anyway, they, they're they're ready to do whatever it takes, and they hug. Um, in a very nice, nice moment. Um, on the next page, page 13, Diana admits that it, she was wrong to try to want to remake the past or restart everything. Uh, and instead that they, they have to embrace an uncertain future again, like whatever problems may come from making everything mad. And man, could this be any more metatextual? Like, could this be any more Scott Snyder just talking about publishing comics? <laughs> right now um talking about making everything matter again and the problems that could come with that it's it's almost like so when we when when comic book fans talk about dc comics and they talk about whether continuity whether a comic company should try to make continuity all make sense the way that marvel does with like a sliding timeline or going with a like a more freewheeling like okay, it's not necessarily all in one clean timeline, but everything still happened. That's the push and pull that comic fans have been talking about for decades, right? It's a problem that they've been trying to solve since Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Um, And so really we're... this Diana's monologue here just reads to me as a total rebuke of the idea that if you make everything matter then there will be contradictory stuff that doesn't make sense. And that like, she's almost urging the reader themselves to embrace the potential contradictions, to not be bothered by them. Um, at least that's what I think of what she's saying. 
Does that? Yeah, does I that read it. True? I read it the same way. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so then at this point, Diana says uh, she needs some soldiers. So she asks Lobo about his regenerative powers. He bites his thumb, extracting some blood. And uh, Diana begins her rallying speech, which is a callback to the thing that the annoying thing that the Robin King said earlier in the issue. Um, meanwhile, on the next page, Superman goes to the uh, the captives of Castle Bat. We saw them in the in the first issues. They were uh, held in these cells uh, beneath Castle Bat. Uh, we've got Black Manta, Parasite, Granny Goodness, the Riddler, Cyborg Superman, Killer Croc. Penguin, Clock King, Mr. Freeze, Giganta, Clayface, and the goddamn Joker are all there. Um, he's playing to their sympathies, telling them that he needs their help not to save the Earth, but to destroy it. Um, which I think I think that's a great... That was a super fun I, page. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun page. Good stuff. Um, on page 15, so... A, over the, they're flying over the Rock of Eternity in that uh, Legion of Doom headquarters thing. Um, Diana's preparing to jump out with the medal and the Journal of Carter Hall. As again, as we saw in the Justice League tie-in arc, um, Lex is too weak to do it himself, um, and he gives her a little. He gives her a little speech about how, you know, Superman tries to bring out the best in us. Batman tries to cure the worst. But Diana has always cut to the truth, and uh, that makes her best suited for this task somehow. Um, she appreciates the sentiment. She jumps out of the Legion of Doom with a army of Lobos. And <laughs> didn't Scott Snyder spoil this for us like four months ago? <laughs> yeah, I believe so, yes. It, feel, it feels like that. feels like it was that long ago. Um yeah, so... Uh, I wish that we... one of the Lobos was Stupid Sexy Lobo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I also wish that, yeah. That would be great. Maybe maybe if we squint and imagine that one of them in the back is. Yeah. Um, all right, so next we get a double-page spread, and I love this. I love this double-pager. I think this is some great Capullo stuff. Um, we see... Uh, that Superman, they're, so they're 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 on Earth Prime. It's the core of the multiverse. Superman believes that by destroying it, the uh, Darkest Knight would be able to uh, would not be able to draw on its power and would only be able to fight using the baby Earths, the dark the baby Darth Dark Earths that he's carrying around. So um, so knowing that Superman lines up with Cyborg Superman, Superboy Prime, Bizarro. And then Sinestro, Atrocitus, who we've not really seen in any meaningful way in a while, and Star Sapphire, and Black Adam, Swamp Thing, and Abby Arcane all get ready to destroy the Earth. Just fuck um, up the Earth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful pages. Super. The best part is Superman takes. Superman's just kind of standing there staring, and Superboy Prime says, "What are you waiting for?" And he says, "I'm just I'm taking a last look, just in case," which is, I think, a perfect, another perfect Superman moment, right? I'm gonna nitpick here just a little bit. Oh boy. Okay. What? Why is Why is Carol in with the villains? 
Um, why? Why is Larsley's not there? <laughs> if Carol's there, why isn't Saint Walker there? Maybe. Where's Saint Walker? Convenience sake. Where's Saint Walker? Saint Walker is um. I don't know. You have no answers for me. Now this is good. This is good. The four Superman bit is very good. Um, yeah, the lanterns there is good, which we didn't mention. I don't think in Justice League when they blew up the throne, all all of the seven magical energies are gone. They're all gone. <laughs> um, do we don't have to worry find, about. Do we find out more than three uh, of them? I don't know, but they're gone. Uh, so no more uh, ultraviolet spectrum for Sinestro. He's back to slinging that yellow ring again. Um, having having Swamp Thing and Abby there is cool. Again, kind of tying back to Scott's very, you know, some of his earliest DC work. Um, it's a good it's a good double page. Yeah. Can I um. Well, we're on the subject of the seven energies or whatever. <laughs> you know, there was some interview, it wasn't with us or Multiversity or anything, where Snyder mentioned that death metal, I think he said it, it was something like death metal started as this very small thing where it was going to be seven issues and very few tie-ins to then, then it blew up to this very big thing where he said it was going to take over the books for a couple months like entirely. Then he said they settled on some happy medium where there were more tie-ins than they had planned, but it wasn't going to be as big as it was. And I wonder if the seven energy stuff, if, if the books all got taken over, if any of that would have bared out and then it all just got tossed away when they weren't going to go that big. But that really seems like such an afterthought now. Yeah, I. <laughs> if it if it hadn't been referenced in that issue of Justice League, I would have forgotten all about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And I still can't, I still can't believe the seven energies were different from the seven artifacts they had to gather to uh, accomplish whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Remember that? Yep. Um. No. No, no, Zach doesn't. Well, I think some of them were the same thing, though. Are you telling me that you can understand the Kingdom Hearts lore and you can't tell me what... That makes sense, actually. Um, <laughs> and it is very well-defined. Um, yeah, no. never change, buddy. No, I mean, I think, like, wasn't, like, there was the god energy stuff in the Atlantis arc that was tied to some item. Is that what you're talking about? I think they're, like, one in the same. Well, we thought that, but then there. Okay, and okay there was evidence. The no, we're but, not going to do it. We're not, not doing it. Do not, it. But I was just going to say, we're not doing yeah. it tonight. I'm too tired tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, um, For some other I'm night pe- we'll argue about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we're going to sit on the call for 45 minutes after we end the show. And... No. <laughs> no. Um. So page 18, uh, the darkest night and Perpetua are clashing. And uh, meanwhile, the Darkest Knight notices the heroes and villains are destroying the Earth in his absence. Uh, so he leaves Perpetua. And uh, on page 19, they're kind of the heroes and the villains are standing around the rubble of Earth Prime. 
and Superman can feel the evil Earths being sent their way. Um, at this point, Superman calls on every every being, hero and villain, dead or alive, to come fight together. And on this page, man, there's there's so many heroes here, young and old. I don't Have we even... ever seen that female hawk before. Yes, that that was Hawk and Dove were um, both female, like the Don Granger uh, but, Dove. But like we haven't seen her in like this incarnation of DC. Oh no, no, no. 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 So this is the, I mean this is omniverse shit right here. Well, so like so let's let's go from the background. So we got. Um, we got Sandman, Sandman, we got the Atom, we have Liberty Bell. Is that supposed to be Commandy? No, that's Anthro. Oh, that's Anthro, okay. We have Hawk there, we have... Uh, um, Is that back, Our Man? Yeah, we have Our Man, we have uh, the Guardian all the way in the back, like the, one of the original Guardians. Yep. We have... Um, uh, There's the Blue Beetle, the, the, the original Blue Beetle. Isn't that who that is behind... Dove with the with the like neckerchief, isn't that no? No, with the, like the blue suit, the red fin, and the no, that's um, no, that's Omac, isn't it? Isn't no, that, like the original Omac. No, that's um, I believe that might be the original Star Spangled Kid. Oh, hang on, I'm gonna lose my Golden Age bona fides here. Um, you might be right, except we can't see the stars if there are any. There might oh there might be the suggestion no, of stars that that is not I'm sorry that is that is no not, I, I don't believe I really think it's uh, original really Blue think Beetle it, I think it might be Dan Garrett it kind of looks like him on this cover of Blue Beetle Volume Two Number One he has red think, gloves and a red I fin I don't see the fin on a lot of these yeah you're right you're right oh you're good Zach you're good yep that's him you know what it looks like there's like that the costume isn't just straight blue there. And that's the thing why I was confused. Um, so that, that's like, and that's the um, the deceased dove we've never seen in this timeline either. Mm-hmm. Like next to that hawk there. Um, yep. Who are the two other characters in the back there? The three other no characters. Idea. Oh, um... So... Well, you know what? Let's not spend too much time because there are other panels to get through here. I mean, one, one of them is a guardian character with the shield. Yeah, I said that. Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you said that already. Yeah. Okay. I was talking about the, the like. There's the gunslinger guy there. That's with... probably Batlash, don't you think? I think so. Possibly, yeah. And there's the other caveman, and then there's somebody with like a leather coat with fur. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's that too almost... indistinct. Yeah. 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 Some of them are really small, and you can't yeah. really tell. Yeah, right, so like, in... we don't need to do that bottom panel. <laughs> no. No, no. No, no, no. But the, but the point is, is that a bunch of heroes, well, hey, young and old, dead on. and alive. That we I do want to seen. talk about the middle panel, because that's damage. Yeah. And uh, the original Red Tornado in the back there. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and, the, and the Android Red Tornado. And I believe that's Sergeant Rock. And yep. uh, Johnny Quick. And, is that um, uh, Fate? From yes, the... that is Fate. The 90s, like, JSA. Uh, right I feel like I know that that character right behind Damage, but I can't place him. Same. I don't know who that green character is with the lightning bolt and the antenna. 
Um, that's not um, what's his name? Uh, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, not a, that's not an incarnation of Airwave, is it? Uh, possibly. Oh, hang, hang on. Now I, I'm just gonna quickly go through a couple from the panel beneath it, which I know we're not gonna yeah, go through everybody. That's Airwave. That's absolutely Airwave. Yeah, for okay. sure. Uh, we get Booster Gold, who I'm pretty sure is dead uh, in this timeline, and uh, Nightwing, Raven, Sinestro, Mister Miracle. I mean, Mister Terrific, rather. Um, there's a Parademon in there. Hal Jordan, Ollie, Firestorm, Ice, Kyle Rayner, um, Martian Manhunter. Who is this? Um, if you're looking at the at the page, there's the, sort of Duke's, Duke. Duke, uh, the Signal, is the, the sort of biggest character. But then to his to his right, our left, there's a female character floating there. Oh, is, is that uh, gig- oh, sorry? It's not floating. That, that's, that's gigantic. Yeah. She's just she's yeah, just so big. Okay, yeah. I, 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 it looked like she was floating. Okay, yeah, Donna Troy, yeah. Steel, Batgirl, Metamorpho, so many characters here. There's the yeah. Multiversity Two T O O Flash that we'll never get a story about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about um, this? This is this is a hard one because he's so small. But I'm just I'm curious if any of you know right away. So above Duke and to the right is Superboy Prime. Yes. But then there's then there's a Superman towards the back. Uh like right over Cyborg that almost has like the shoulder pads like um Superboy Prime is sometimes shown with, but uh-huh. it's not it's clearly not Superboy Prime. So is that a different Superman you can think of or is he too small to I wonder I if would... sorry, go ahead, Zach. I I was going to say I think he, he's too small for me to tell. Okay. I think it would be hilarious and awesome if that's one of the future state supermen. <laughs> you yep. want something similar. If look, you see Steel on the bottom left. Yeah. Yes. Go straight up to that yep. Batman. Yes. That's like clearly the like original Batman. Yes. I think yes. is what I would peg it as. I had the same yep. thought. That's the generations Batman. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh man, I love pages like this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm sure our listeners don't mind us picking over it because it's no, probably I'm the sure most not. interesting stuff we'll talk about. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, and what's wild is if you look way back in the back, like kind of to the right of that Batman I mentioned, there is like our Superman and our Batman, and you can see like Hawk. I mean, not Hawk, like Dove there, too. It's like mm-hmm. a very zoomed out image of that top panel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's like they're zooming. You can out. see Liberty Bell and Anthro back there, too. Yeah. Um, very nice attention to detail there. Yeah. Capullo does great work. Yeah. Yes. I man. Oh, I love his art. Um. All right, so are we done with that wondrous page? Yes, sir. Okay, so then on page 21, we... So, you know, Superman was expecting there to just be a small number of baby Earths sent their way, but what ends up in reality happening is uh, a lot more Earths are being sent their way. Um, 
probably this is going to be the last 52, right? I would presume the, so, yes. The famed last 52. And then we see um, these, like, circular panels. And I don't know if they're meant to each represent one of these dark Earths. But we I see... think they're supposed to be the three that he's, like, shooting out in that top panel. Yeah, yep. Flying towards Earth, sort sure. of. Sure. And so let's unpack these quickly. I don't think we necessarily know what they are, but one of them has like a a corrupted version of uh, Diana right in the middle, which is almost like it kind of looks like a corrupted version of her New Fifty Two costume. More more so than any of her other costumes, I would say. Well, she kind of has a bat logo, like for her for her like chest plate there. Oh yeah, good call. But it looks also, it's different than that other character that had kind of been teased that would be a big deal, which was like the da- the daughter of Bruce and Diana that we saw in an earlier issue. It's it's like clearly not her uh-huh. either. Um, right. And then we see, we also see like a, I don't know, almost like a specter looking character. Yeah, definitely a specter. It's like a Spectre Ragman combo. Yeah. And then in the other one we some kind of like just generic looking Martian manhunter demon with black skin, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so the, presumably those will be like part of the last 52 Earths. Um and then on the final page we see just tons of Earths, it's like a gumball machine of Earths, um, kind of zoomed out from from where the heroes are. I, I I assume these are the last fifty-two, um, and that's it to be continued. What do um, you guys think of this issue overall? I thought it was mostly just okay. Like there were some good moments um, and some. I, I think the bit in the middle where we kind of we find out what happened before the series started, you know, kind of how they lost and we get the moment we, we get the explanation about the knots and then we get the moment between the, the Trinity. I think that's all good. And there, there are a lot of like really good art moments, but I, I feel like this is getting, this issue is a little decompressed, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Go. I was going to say, I feel like, this is the definition of a book that will also read better in trade. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm trying to not get too mad at it for its pacing issues. Um, but I, I do think that Death Metal will be seven issues, correct, when it's done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it it could very probably easily be five or four. And that's funny yeah. to say because there's so much uh, like ancillary stuff in the one shots and the tie-ins and all of that, but the event itself, I think there could be a lot of trimming done. Sure. I think, I think this one had less pages that really stood out as, as artistically remarkable, but the, the, the two or three that did, especially where they're, uh, where the heroes and villains have gathered to destroy the earth. And then when they gather again with like the dead or missing heroes, um, those two pages really stood out. Um, 
but yeah, I think, I think in an event you're looking for a few more of those pages throughout. Um, but you know, it's fine. Um, I have to correct myself really quick. I was looking at the uh, the checklist for Endless Winter at the end of this issue, and there Justice League 58 is actually a tie-in in there. I thought they were just Justice League specials, so um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm owned. Um, no, because it's it's hard to. Rem- I mean, you were the guy with the memory for this stuff, but you know, some of them are Endless Winter specials, and others are tied into the yeah. numerical, which is I think a weird choice on their part. Yes, but- it is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I think this month was a bit of a downer for this event, but I'm really excited for next month. Um, next month has a lot of good stuff to look forward to, I think. Yeah. Um, I think issue six is going to be pretty exciting as the penultimate issue. I think all of the one shots sound really interesting. Um, so I'm excited to see how it wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The, I think those last two issues are going to feel like they're coming in really quick succession. Mm. Um, so that'll be good. Yeah. Because um, issue seven comes out the first week in January. I don't remember when issue six comes out. I assume it's like the middle of the month. Yeah. I think it's like just two weeks before that or something. Okay. It's it's shorter than the normal wait between two issues. So yeah, yeah, December sixteenth. So yep, yeah. So, so maybe like three three weeks. three weeks, three weeks before, but still, that, yeah, yeah. Man, I love I love how like the end of the year at DC has become like the the event time. Like yeah, things switch over. Remember how? Remember <laughs> yeah, when we got Doomsday year. Clock. Yeah, it was like Doomsday Clock, um, that one issue of Flash Forward that didn't matter, even though we were led to believe that it would. And then there was like one or two other big things that same day. I can't remember, though. Yeah. Um, so it was a fun time to get get the box dropped and yeah, kick yeah. those around. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We will return next week with our... Uh, our second and final discussion of Countdown. And then the week after that will be our next New Comics Roundup. And that will have some really fun stuff like the other history of the DC Universe. Um, that's uh, one of, End of Suicide Squad. End of Suicide Squad. There's a couple of, of fun things about that. So you'll definitely check that out. And um, if you need to get in touch with us, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. Um, if you need to get a hold of Vince, he is uh, currently trying to get to 30 connections on Farmers Only. So if you're on there, throw him a connection. He's, he likes to keep his number right about 30. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Hashtag Farmers Friday FF. They don't use hashtags on there, buddy. Okay. <laughs> City folk just don't get it. I suppose you're right. So, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Vince, what's your what's your favorite next gen game so far?
Um, well, I haven't I haven't played Demon's Souls yet, and the That's reason why very surprising. <laughs> well, no, because I, I have a perfectly logical explanation for it. <laughs> You're playing in, a, in alphabetical order. <laughs> <laughs> 